Hi to everyone. We've been traveling quite a bit, as you probably know from watching the blog, and we've just returned from Brazil after quite an interesting experience. And later this month, actually at the end of the month, we'll be in Santiago, and then the middle of next month we'll be in Moscow, and if all goes according to plan, we should be in the United States sometime in June, July, although that's not confirmed at this point. And uh, someone w pointed out to me that... Um, at this point in time, I'm now traveling more than I did when I was a management consultant. And the reality is, yes, I am traveling more than I did as a management consultant, but these are you know, exciting trips. We enjoy what we do. And I think that um, one of the good things about these podcasts is we can report back about what we are seeing. And one of the common questions I've received over email over the last few months is, how do candidates make their internships count? So you've you know done all the hard work, all the heavy lifting to get your internships at... Um, you know, your, the firm of your choice. And summer's just around the corner in the Northern Hemisphere, so everyone's gearing up to make those internships count. And of course, it, there's a lot at stake here, because if the internships go well, you can take time off during the hectic October, uh, September full recruiting cycle and, you know, worry about your grades as opposed to going through that pretty much torturous and treacherous process. So what I'm going to talk about now is... Um, how to make those summer internships count. And the summer internships are probably going to be anywhere from two to three months. Um, you could be on one project, you could be on multiple projects, or you could be on a, even an internal project such as putting together a proposal um, or doing internal research. You could be working with one person the whole time, reporting to one person or reporting to multiple people. Um, and you're going to have conflicting priorities in the sense that when you arrive there, you don't really know what to do. I mean, should you focus all your efforts onto being on a project? Should you work for the same person? Should you try to do internal projects? And what I want to do in this podcast is not give you a script in terms of what you need to do, but talk you through my experience of onboarding um, interns when when I was a consultant. I mean, I had a lot of interns um, reporting into me on projects. And in one particular case, I in, in a, in a six-man project, I had two interns on that project. It was, it was not planned that way. It just so happened that the firm at that time was growing quite rapidly. The office I was working in, I was working out of London at that particular point, an automotive project. And um, we just didn't have the people. And these interns came in and we had to put them onto the project. They came in. I remember very clearly that... Um, I'm not going to give away any identifying details here, but the point is that there was a young lady, you know, bright, um, happy, eager, very friendly. You know, you can see that passion in her eyes, and oh, quite a laid-back guy actually. You know, walks in there, um, and he's he's quite a stylish guy, I would say. You know, he's clearly spends a lot of time. You know, have you ever watched that show How I Met Your Mother or something like that? And this guy Ted, I think it is, who spends an hour in the morning getting his hair ready to make it look like he didn't get it ready. I think th this other candidate was a little bit like that, you know, laid back. I think he spends a lot of time uh, making his hair look untidy to make it look like he hadn't prepared it. But anyway, the point of the story is that we had these two people, and I'm going to talk about their experiences because I think it gives one indication, or a pretty good indication of, in terms of what's a good candidate and what's a bad candidate. Um, and of course, they're going to be exceptions to the rule, so don't take this as gospel, but I think that the guidelines here apply very well because I could see these traits or these common trends and themes in other candidates who came in for internships over the years I was uh, in consulting. And so let's look at let's look at the female candidate, the one who was you know, really I think passionate about what she was doing. What I liked about her is that she was young. She was 21 when she joined us. I mean, she was one of the youngest MBAs I've 
ever seen come through the ranks. Um, and I, I'm not going to say where she went. It'll be a giveaway. But you know, the point is she went straight into her MBA from her undergraduate, one of those candidates. And I liked her determination. I liked her focus. And I put onto the project because I thought, you know what, here's someone I could work with. Um, and in fact, another partner told me, look, we have this intern that just came in, she's quite bright, finished, you know, near the top of her class. So you got to, you know, it would be useful to have her. And I said, okay, let me meet her. I met her. I done sort of a mini interview with her, um, as I always do, even with people that I've already been vetted and I put onto the project. And she, she did well. I mean, the first few days she was doing well. She was eager, enthusiastic, um, and I liked her. I mean, I really, I think personally I liked her. So, you know, I cut her some slack when she was struggling and so on. And the thing is, she, she used to sit, you know, when I'm, whenever I'm traveling between offices, I'm not based, I was not based out of London at that time. But whenever I travel, I don't sit in one of the partner offices, but I used to sit in, um, in one of the open areas. And I used to just pull out my laptop, sit with the team and, you know, listen to what they were saying. And I liked her a lot, but a couple of things made me dislike her very quickly. And when I say dislike her very quickly, now you have to understand consulting is quite a fast-paced environment. And when I say dislike her quickly, I mean within the first week. So things are operating really fast. I'm spending all my time with these guys. I arrive in the office. I don't arrive that early, to be honest. I mean, it depends, but I was quite tired at this particular point in my career. And this was before I just you know, made the decision to leave, so... I used to arrive at the office at about 7.30, which if you've ever worked in the city in London, you know that's quite early. Most workers are coming at 8, 8.30. So I used to arrive at 7.30. I liked, um, I won't lie, I liked the automatic coffee machine that was in the office. I thought it was better than the one in my hotel. I'd come in. I'd like to sit around and just, you know, read the newspaper, talk to other consultants that came in early. I liked the vibe, so I used to come in early. And I used to be there till about 7.30 in the morning till 11 o'clock at night, sometimes 3 in the morning. It was quite a hectic project because we were coming from behind. The previous consulting team that had been on the project had made some mistakes and I was brought in to, to lead a troubleshooting team to fix the uh, mistakes in their work. Well, maybe mistake is a strong word, but merely maybe some areas they had not analyzed in sufficient detail. I think that's a better way of saying it because I think the work was good. But the scope had changed over time. So I came and had a team of six people, including myself, and we were working under quite intense pressure. You know, we had something like, I think, six weeks to deliver this. And basically, we were working for an automobile company, a continental automobile company in Europe. And they were looking to enter the um, a mini size segment, uh, you know, small cars like smart cars and so on. And they wanted us to do the analysis, you know, to firstly determine whether the market was worth entering and secondly, how they should reconfigure their operations if they wanted to go ahead with this. There was another team looking at the organizational reconfiguration and so on, but we were just looking at uh, market sizing and the operational implications. And these two people actually sat in front of me. So on one side, I had the guy, on the other side, I had the, the lady. So I could really compare them quite well. Now, the lady, who I liked initially, but within five days fell out of favor, I think a couple of things made it bad for her or, or showed me she was not someone I wanted on my team. I think the first one is that, look, I understand people have, you know, when you're 21, relatively attractive female, you, you know, you have a social life, I understand that. But I think that one thing you must understand about consulting projects is the reason we spend so much time looking for people that are disciplined is because 
consulting projects are chaotic. As a partner, I can never know in advance when I need your time because if you look at my day, the most of the days I'm I'm talking to the client, I'm visiting the client, I'm talking to people, I'm basically collecting data. It's only around six o'clock, seven o'clock when I get into the office that I can sit down and think about what I've done. And even when I get in, there's like a army of people who want my time on projects I'm running out of Brazil, on projects I'm running out of Dubai. Sometimes other clients want to speak to me. So it's only when I get to about seven o'clock, maybe eight o'clock, I'm looking at the work and then sometimes I'll decide that something isn't right or needs to be done or even I've realized look we may have overlooked something so we need to present something to the client tomorrow. So the point is I can never predict in advance when I'll need your time and one thing that I didn't like about this candidate is that the first day on a consulting engagement she had booked herself dinner at 6.30 with her I think husband, I'm not exactly sure of the details, but the point is, that's not acceptable. Now, I can understand that she had, maybe I've booked this in advance, I was okay with it, and I said, look, don't worry about it, fine, go ahead. She went ahead, now, I didn't feel right about that, because I, if it was me, first day of an internship, or any day of an internship, I'll make myself available. So I wrote it up, I didn't worry too much about it, right, I was, I was okay with it. The next night, a similar thing happened, you know, whereby she'd finished her work, which I thought was great. wasn't perfect, you know, she's still as bright as she is, she has a lot to learn. I gave her some areas to f improve, expecting her to do it the night before. She finished it at about 6, I think it was, offered to help some of the other team members with the work they were doing, but only stayed till 8 p.m. because she had pre-arranged um, drinks or whatever it was. Not the best way to start the week, and I, but and so the next morning, Wednesday, I had a mid-team meeting, and I and I didn't speak to her directly, but I did point out that look, the team we're under a lot of stress. Um, the client basically is demanding results very soon. There's a lot at stake here. The client has been very late to respond to this market, and basically, whatever we tell them is what they're going to tell the stakeholders, and it's going to come out in the investor relations strategy, right? So we we need to be on the ball. And we need to be available 24-7. I don't mean that I'm going to call you at 3 o'clock in the morning, but what I'm saying is that I don't know when in that time I'm going to need you, so you shouldn't make plans. And I didn't feel the candidate treated that well, because I remember Thursday night, again she had plans, Friday night again she had plans, and I can understand people are excited to be in London, you know, her university she was not based in London, so it's, it's a nice experience and you want to see your friends and so on, but that's not why we bring you to London or to any office to, you know, build your social network. So that was that d the first week that put me off, I mean, immediately. But I decided to give her a chance in the second week. And one thing that I didn't like that happened the second week is I pulled her aside and said, look, there's this very important piece of analysis that I want you to do. But more than doing the analysis, I also want you to put together the slides. I want you to work with this partner and this engagement manager. They will help you. I've already spoken to them. But I want you to lead this because they're not automotive people. I know you're not an automotive person as well, but they don't have the background that you've developed over the months. So I want you to put together the analysis, only about six or seven slides. Um, and I want you to put together the storyboard and I want you to come with me to the client. I'm going to give you a chance to talk to the client. And the thing that really got me here was she refused to do it because she felt she wasn't in. And I'm thinking to myself, here's a partner telling you that they're going to meet the client and I want, and they're giving you a chance to present to a client, a chance that anyone should jump at, and she's telling me she's not ready. Even though this is a week and a half away, she has time to prepare it, she has time to learn how to speak, she has time to do the analysis, she has the backing of the team, but she's unwilling to even try. I th that I did not like. I felt that she spent too much time networking as opposed to delivering. Once you get the internship, networking is not going to help you. 
The bottom line is the partner engagement manager you're reporting to has final say in your decision whether you're going to get the offer or not. You can network till you're blue in the face and build the greatest relationships with the managing partner in that office. But if I as a partner or my designate, the, the engagement manager, does not feel you're delivered enough, then all you are is someone who networks but cannot deliver. And I really felt that this candidate was still operating in the mindset that she needs to get an interview somehow later rather than deliver so i felt that she had put up that she did not dedicate enough time to the team she was not available she was not willing to step up when the time approached i mean when is she going to step up if not now and secondly i felt she she tried too heavily to network she she misread what she needed to do let's talk about the other candidate who friendly guy as i mentioned spends more time doing his hair quite a snappy dresser but he's a, a humble guy he's a nice guy very respectful the one thing that um struck me about this guy is that he was very respectful. He did not have the grades. They self-disclosed their grades. I asked for it. They did not, he did not have the grades of the female candidate, but he was not, you know, silly, but he was not going to shoot the lights out, you know, average, you know. He had a, he was, he was, he would have probably finished with distinction for his MBA, but he was not going to be at the, you know, top 5% or anything like that. So a couple of things that struck me about this guy, he said he was really humble. You know, he had respect for people. I, I, I find that quite surprising today. Um, you know, this was a few years ago, but even then, he was really humble, a lot of respect for people. And to me, that even stands out today because I find a lot of young candidates today don't have respect. They feel that it's their duty to show how much fire they have and they, they tend to be less humble than they should be. So this guy struck me as being very humble. I liked his stamina. I mean, he joined us at uh, 8.30 that morning and I remember making a joke to him, you know, that he's coming in a bit late, but I mean, it wasn't a problem for me because he was meant to only come in at 9 o'clock that day. But that night, the rest of the team had to travel to a city in Europe to collect data, so it was just him, me, and another of the associates. And the first day he came in at, as I mentioned, 8.30, and he stayed the whole night with us because we had to redo some of the analysis. No complaints. And I remember he finished what he was meant to do early, and he said, you know, uh, Michael, is there anything else you want me to say? Look, I really need you to go out there and collect this information and, you know, get it for me. Go through the reports, pull out the numbers I need, and I need those numbers as soon as possible. So I just left him to it. I fully expected him to. I only fully expected him to come back to the next morning and say, okay, I got the reports. Now what numbers? I came back to the office at um, 7 p.m. I had a few meetings. I saw him working. Uh, I don't know what he was doing, but he seemed to be busy. I left the office. for I had a client dinner, so I went out. Um, it was from about 9 o'clock till ended at about 10.30, and I came back to the office. I had another meeting, another conference call, so I went for that, and I came back to my desk at about 12.30, and he was there working with the associate. I continued what I was doing, and I asked him, you know, do you need any help? Are you comfortable? And he said, um, yeah, no, I'm good. And... I left him. I continued what I was doing with the associate. And I could see him working away in the background. There, he seemed to be printing a whole lot of color pages. I didn't say anything about it. You know, the, he seemed to be okay. At four o'clock in the morning, he comes back. To, he comes back and says, "Look, I, you know, I know you're tired, but I finished the work. If you want to look at it, I'm happy to look at it." So. He brought his work, and one thing that really impressed me with him is that he went to uh, our version of the Knowledge Center, and he asked the person, you know, who's running it, you know, do you have an example of a similar analysis done because I want to see the way it is laid out. He took a copy of that. He did his own analysis because I can see the numbers corroborated what data he's been looking at, and he laid this out perfectly. It was really, it took him the whole day to do these four slides, but it was perfect. Perfect, you know. One thing as a partner is I need to show the client progress. And next morning, 8 o'clock, I could go up to the client and say, look, this is what we've done. You know, what do you think? 
it really made me look good because I wasn't expecting that from him. But and the other thing I liked about him is that when I gave him feedback, and I'm pretty tough with people. I mean, people who work with me know that I'm pretty tough. I tell him, look, Bernard, wrong, 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 right, 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 right. Overall, I like what you've done, but you've got to show improvement in these years. He listened. No complaints, no excuses about how he didn't have time. He just listened, made a list, went back and fixed it. And he gave it back to me at 8 o'clock the same morning. So 4 o'clock, I sat down with him. Over the next two hours, he fixed it. He sent it to me. He had it printed. He had it checked. He had another associate check it. He had it neatly bound for me. So I had everything I needed for the client meeting. He even checked how many copies I needed. He, need, he checked with my secretary what time I'm going to be leaving. I arrived and I went home to have a shower and then I came in the next morning. Perfect. And he stayed until 8 o'clock to help the associate with the work they were doing. Now, I'm not saying you have to be that extreme, but you know what? You can't judge a book by its cover. This guy just impressed me right up front. I mean, I like the fact that he had stamina. I like the fact that he listened. He asked for guidance. He did what he was told to do. He understood that, look, you know what? Even though we plan a lot, there are things that we cannot plan. So the the faster we get things, the better. I like the way he took the feedback. No excuses. He just said, okay, I understand this. I understand this. I'll fix it. And he fixed it. He came back with a list of what I gave him and he ticked through each one and said, this is what I fixed. If you have any questions, I'll be here for the next hour. I'll be working with the associate, but I can make any changes you want. Printed it. That's what I like, just the attention of, to detail. He thought through everything I needed. He treated me like the client, which is you know, kind of rare because no one really treats partners like the client. You, you would think they would, but they don't. And I really like this guy. And, I, and the thing is, from that day on, I mean, this is now Tuesday. Right? I tell him, look, you know, go home, come in. And he said, no, don't worry, I'll be fine. He went home. He had like four hours of sleep and he was there at 12 o'clock when I came in after meeting the client, which is just the, the amount of a stamina this guy had just blew me away. And then afterwards, I looked, I said, look, this guy has a lot of talent. He's got stamina. Let's put him under something difficult. So I asked him to help me do the um, uh, life cycle. We were looking at the life cycle of consumers. We want to know the amount of revenue they generate. And I put him under that project, which is, you know, the if you do a course in marketing, they make it look easy. But if you do a really rigorous uh, life cycle revenue analysis, it's fairly complicated in terms of discounting cash flows. And so it's kind of a valuation of the customer, what they're worth. And he did this fantastically. I mean, you know, one thing that amazes me is that I tell people today that one of the things you need to do is look what good looks like. Go look at previous studies. This guy just did it by himself. Maybe he heard it from someone. Maybe he heard me say it sometime. But the fact is he did it. So his work always looked good. And you know, when you're, when you're charging clients hundreds of thousands of dollars a week, they look at how things are laid out. If things look poor, they think, oh, wow, you're charging me hundreds of thousands of dollars and you can't even get the layout right. Forget about the numbers. I like the fact that he was willing to redo work repeatedly. I mean, on this life cycle analysis of consumers, we redid the numbers five times. I don't mean from scratch, but we always found ways to make it better. And he was quite happy to go ahead and do it. I also like the way he communicated with the team. Every time he would do an iteration of his analysis, he would print it and put it up on the wall so everyone could see what he was doing. In a really good way of communicating, he'd print out his slides and put it up on the wall. And he would use these um, these uh, flip these post-it notes, different colors. Where green says he's finished, red means he's not happy about it, but he doesn't know what to do, and orange means he's not happy about it, but he knows what to do to fix it. And I like that. I'd come into the morning and I'd look at this and I'd say, "Well, we we're good, you know. We've got orange and greens only." And if he'd had a red and I'd walk past, I'd stop for a second, I'd look at it and think, okay, "How can I help this guy?" But you know what was great about his communication skills? is that he did not make it a burden on me. I mean, he, he designed his communication in such a way that um, when I had time, I could see what was happening 
and I could respond to it. So I didn't have to carve out 20 minutes in my diary. He knew I was sitting in front of him, so he created this visual scorecard that made it a whole lot easier for me to respond. And you know, I used his techniques going forward. And I actually asked him at the end, you know, where did you learn this from? And he said, well, my sister works in the advertising agency. She's a director, and then she once designed this for a client. And he liked it, and you know, his sister said that he should do it when he, when he starts. And I thought, this was fantastic. And then... You know, just the amount of effort this guy puts in to support the team was just amazing. You know, I always tell people that when you when you join a consulting firm, don't go around and get coffee for people because it doesn't help you. But here's a guy who did outstanding work, communicated better than I would think even engagement managers were communicating, and would be coming in the morning and say, hey, I'm going to get coffee, would you like some? But he wasn't sucking up, he was just friendly. You know, so if you're going to get coffee, make sure the other side works as well. You can do good work. He just fit into the team perfectly. You know, we there we were there killing ourselves trying to put this through. And the other interns, well, they were working hard, some of them, but I just felt this guy was so much more committed. But the thing that really clinched it for me, and the reason why he actually got the offer way before his internship was done, I mean, one month into his internship, I made him the offer and said, you can come in. I, you know, we have no problems with your performance. And I gave him, I mean, it's not our policy to do that, but I gave him the written contract anyway. It didn't make me very um, uh, popular with um, the uh, recruitment team, but I said, look, you find a good person, you bring them in. Is that what I really liked about this guy is that he owned the work. You know, other people, when they when I give them work, interns, they will do the work, but they will come back and they'll say, okay, you know, this is the best I could do, um, and I'll, they'll just hand it in. But this guy didn't do that. He said, okay, I'm going to have to do this analysis. What is the best the firm has ever done? Let me go get a copy of it. How do I beat that? Okay, I can't find the data. I'm not going to come back to the partner and say I can't find the data because what is he going to do? He can't do anything, so let me go find it. I love this guy because of the fact that he took ownership. He owned the piece of work. I, if I gave him a piece of work, I didn't care. I just let him go. He would come to me and say, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, and I would point him out. Other interns, I would have to find them and ask them how they were doing. And if I, and remember, I have like a hundred, well, not a hundred, but I have a lot of people fighting for my time. So that as a partner, I can't go out and ask everyone, you know, I can't book 20 minutes with everyone in a day. I would have no time in the day. So I rely on them to come to me. And the other interns didn't do that. For whatever reason, I mean, the, the lady, for example, said she was too shy and she felt intimidated. But the point is, yeah, sure, you may have felt intimidated, but you know what it's cost us in terms of client delivery and client satisfaction, in terms of the, the, the rigor of the analysis. But yes, this guy, he'd come in at 3 in the morning. He, he knows I'll come in at 7.30, so before he leaves for the night, if he, he's almost always left later than me. But I like the fact that because he, even though he left later than me, he had a delivery. He'll print out a delivery, he'll push it under my door and say, if you have time, look at it. If not, don't worry, I'll assume everything's fine. I'll get the engagement manager to look at it. So he had this very nice way of communicating, which I think had a big impact because the communication was not just to give him credit but it actually improved our delivery which for me was crucial because I noticed that the engagement managers then started using his technique which is a slight twist on standard consulting protocol but a twist this post-it notes made a huge impact I must tell you this right now and even though I uh, left I mean I stayed in consulting afterwards a few years and he stayed with me groomed him trained him and so on and he eventually went to McKinsey afterwards but I used his techniques simple thing and he, that's leaving a lasting impact you know that's a guy who left an impact so to summarize when you, when you get the internship, networking is finished for you. You deliver. Make sure you fit the culture. If we are working long hours through a chaotic environment, you need to be there. I need to feel this intern has my back. Own something and deliver something. Don't be one of those interns that just takes something, delivers to the best of their ability, and complains all the time. Socialize, very important, but socialize in a way that is useful. You know, I like the fact that this guy would come in at... Um, 
you know, two in the morning and bring coffee and say, hey, I know you're tired, you're take a five-minute break and look what I'm doing and so on. We'll have a you know, f- small chat. It's two o'clock in the morning. I am tired as well. I need to stop working on my analysis and my slides and so on. And the final thing is that you must understand consulting is chaotic. If you're going to go in there and assume you're going to get this perfectly organized project, then you're just in the wrong industry. You have to be well-grilled, well-drilled in the basics, and you got to roll with the punches. And uh, this guy, I mean, he was one of the best hires I've ever made in terms of interns. Just fantastic guy. I mean, he eventually became one of the automotive experts for the firm, um, and he just was outstanding. And the interesting thing about him is on paper, he was not the best candidate. He was maybe the average candidate. Look, he wasn't bad. Don't be, don't be mistaken. He wasn't like a guy pushing a 60% average. He was really good, but not the best we've ever had. Uh, and certainly on paper and the initial discussion that he didn't strike me as someone who'd stand out. But within 24 hours, he had changed my mind. And that's what I think someone who really makes the internship count. If you have any questions, post it uh, beneath the podcast. I'll be happy to respond to, to whatever you have to say.